0: You are listening to the Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your legal shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. That sounds incredible. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want, now. Hello and welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Koleani. I am a personal empowerment coach and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. With that said, let's start the show. Today might be a uh, short show because... I have got a deadline, and I want to talk to you about uh, deadlines. I've set a deadline to create a workbook that I'm working on that you may have heard me talk about called the Mean Workbook. That's the Manipulation and Emotional Abuse Number, and it really helps you highlight if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship. uh, That tells you basically the level of emotional abuse that you might be experiencing. Something I've been working on for, geez, a good year, almost a year now, and I've decided not to hold off on it any longer. And it will be released on Monday, September 4th, 2017. So I decided to create that date, not because I knew I'd be ready, but because I knew I'd perform and finish it before the 4th. I, I knew I'd have to. Like, there's no choice. It's like my friend Justin. He, I, uh, we were talking about Christmas and shopping and things like that a couple of years back. And he said, you know, I do all my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. And I'm like, that is crazy. <laughs> I go, why do you do that? And he goes, because I know I'll get it done. <laughs> I said, really? I mean, that's, you'll get all your Christmas shopping done. He goes, yes, because I have no choice. And I thought that was an interesting approach. I didn't like it <laughs> when he said it. I was like, I could never do that. But then I think, yeah, but if I really wanted to get something done, then doing it in a way that uh, has me coming up to a deadline gives you no choice. It takes out the options. And even though there's a certain level of stress with taking out the options, having no other option but to do the thing that you need to do is actually a good way to get things done. It may not be the most uh, stress-free way to do it, but it almost guarantees that you'll do it. Because here's what happens is that and you probably know this, is that when you have no other choice, you find a way. Sort of like when I was married and we ran out of money, we had no place to live, and we now couldn't afford to uh, pay for gas to travel anywhere and pay for food to eat, suddenly you have no other choice but to stretch beyond where your brain normally goes. Like, when you have money, your brain normally goes, "Okay, we need to buy food and we need to pay for rent or mortgage and pay for gas and utilities and You just know you have these options, but you never think outside those options because money equals all of these necessities. But when you have no money, if you've never thought like that before, first a panic can kick in, and then of course you're stressed out and you don't know what to do, but suddenly something happens, and suddenly you've find a way. It's like that uh, Jurassic Park quote. <laughs> Jeffrey Goldblum goes, nature finds a way. And it just seems true in life. There's always a way. And my caveat is, sometimes there isn't. <laughs> sometimes you try everything and there's still no way, and then you end up suffering more. I mean, yes, this can happen. But almost always, I mean, if you're here listening, you're alive. You found a way. You're still here. And of all the things that have happened in your life, you're still here. And a lot of it may not have been pleasant. Some of it may have been terrible. But you're still here. So you found a way. Or somebody showed up to help you find that way. Or help you along the way. It just happens. So this is what I like about deadlines. Is that you can set a deadline. And as that deadline approaches, you may be stressed. You may not like that it's an impending deadline, but what you're trying to do as that deadline approaches, you get more creative. You start thinking outside your normal thought processes and then you figure it out. So with this uh, mean workbook, I'm like, I'm going to create this deadline (laughs) and I don't even have uh, my interviews done yet. I haven't, I'm not done recording them. And then suddenly out of the blue, I have an interview. It was just serendipitous. I'm not saying that this happens all the time. I'm just saying that it sure seems when you become laser focused and create that deadline, the resources you need appear. It doesn't mean you stop looking for them. It just means that you find them somehow. And even though there's a chance that they won't appear, I still believe creating a deadline, creating some sort of um, on this date, this must happen, you set yourself up more for success than failure. It's like what I tell people when they are in a relationship that just doesn't seem to be going well. It's failing in little ways here and there, or their partner is doing things that they don't like, but maybe it could get better. Like my partner said he was going to get better, so I don't know when to stop believing that. And I like to give the advice of creating a date, you know, mark it on the calendar and say on this date, if things don't change then I shall do the following. Whether that's break up with you, you know, leave the relationship, um, move out, whatever it is. I love having that date because now it creates accountability and it puts closure. It puts impending closure on the situation so that there's no question that on this date, it's going to happen. Now, the, the secret is to actually do the accountable thing on that date. If they say they're going to change on a certain day and they don't change, then on that day you do what you said you were going to do. And it's a two-way street. You have to do what you said you were going to do and they have to do what they said they were going to do. The thing is you don't have to do what you said you were going to do if they do the thing that they said they were going to do. (laughs) But you get the idea. So this is what I did for myself. I'm like, I have this workbook, I got to finish it. And if I don't finish it, then I'm accountable for everyone who's pre-ordered. So that's important, and I need to prioritize it, which I've done. So I wanted to just share this thing about deadlines and setting a date and accountability. It works for my friend Justin. He gets his Christmas shopping done every year on Christmas Eve. (laughs) I don't know how he does it, but he finds a way. Deadlines with accountability change the way you think. They change the way you behave. They minimize procrastination, and they're especially good for those of us that aren't good at setting goals. I'm terrible at goal setting and following a structure to that goal. But having that thumbtack in the calendar, knowing that that date is looming and coming up, forces me to be innovative, creative, and thinking outside the box. Hope this helps you too. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm going to read you an email. Uh, it's not really a question, but I wanted to read it because it has an important message that I want to emphasize to you. So just in case uh, you're in a similar predicament, this may, this may or may not apply to you. But um, someone wrote to me. I'm going to call her Maria. She said, I love your show and I'm writing to thank you for your podcast. Thank you, Maria. You're welcome. I recently confronted my brother after decades of toxic interactions. Over the years, he has consistently demeaned me in subtle And overt ways. After listening to your show, I felt I could take a step to stand up for myself. Even though it's late in the game, he and I are both in our 60s, and our interaction style is deeply entrenched. I crafted an email to him with the intention of honoring my boundaries, yet still being respectful. I made it clear I was no longer willing to continue our relationship. I thought my language was clear, but he responded in a way that convoluted my message. Nevertheless, I now feel free to go on with my life in a new way. It's as if I left the toxic roots of my childhood in the rearview mirror at last. I learned from you it's never too late to start living a better life. You showed me how, and I send you my heartfelt thanks. I'm new to your website and will consider becoming a patron. Thanks for the wonderful work you do. It can be life-changing. It was for me. Sincerely, Maria. If you do read any of this on the air, please do not use my real name. I did not use your real name, Maria. (laughs) That is not your name. But I thank you for this letter, and uh, I appreciate your words. It's very kind of you. And I did see that you joined the patron program. Thank you so much. Uh, this is a great way to support the show and the work that I do. That is amazing. So thank you again. And I wanted to read this letter because you said something key, which is it is never too late. It it really isn't. I've had uh, people write to me that say, you know, I'm 50-something, 60-something, 70-something, and it's just too late. I've I've made all these mistakes and now I have to live with them. It's still not too late to work on yourself, focus on yourself, improve yourself, get out of toxic situations, stop participating in toxic conversations with toxic people. And this is what you did, Maria. You contacted your brother who has been very toxic in his conversations with you and you you had enough. You heard something on the show and you and you were like, this is it. I, I cannot stand by and allow this to happen anymore to me. And what you did was honor yourself and make it clear what you won't accept anymore. Because that's what honoring boundaries is. You make it clear what you will and won't accept in your life. And there's more to your letter. I think you went to say that uh, you told him the very specific things that he was doing that bothered you, that you felt was not uh, respecting you or respecting your boundaries. And like you said, he convoluted the message and, um, and didn't really address what you are trying to um, convey. But uh, either way, you felt empowered to move on with your life and work on yourself continually. And um, I think my girlfriend said it best. She's, she's in one of the interviews for the uh, Mean Worksheet, those three audio interviews. And um, she said, when you work on yourself, you benefit not only you, but everyone else around you, everyone else that's involved in your life. It's so true. I mean, when you work on yourself, that means you are bringing the best version of you into every relationship you're in. What this does is allow other people to bring the best version of themselves into the relationship too. Because what do some of us end up doing? Some of us end up trying to control how other people think and feel and act and all of that control is time and energy that we take away from us and put on someone else how can i control that person to do what i want so that i'm happy and i just think that's the wrong way to go about it when you focus on yourself and bring the best version of you then the other person doesn't feel like they're under control anymore they don't feel like they're under your thumb And now they can feel self-initiated and self-empowered to want to take control of their life or not. But it's their choice. They may not be able to take control of their life and do things for them and honor their boundaries. They may have other things going on that um, cause them to prevent them from improving themselves as, as much as possible. And some people have lived a life so long under someone else's control that they feel like it's easier to let them control because it might be scary to control our own lives, to improve ourselves, to make decisions for us because now we have to create our own structure. The previous structure is someone tries to control us. At least we know what to do in that structure. But when that control is taken away, what do we do now? I, I, I have no structure. I have to create my own structure and that can be scary to some people. Regardless, I, th- I still think it's a, a great path to take When you start to focus on yourself and improve yourself and honor yourself and love yourself and be compassionate toward yourself and do all the self-nurturing, that you improve yourself to the point where you have enough to give to others. And that's like the opposite of uh, people-pleasing. You improve yourself to the point where you have excess. And now you can give to others freely without going into deficit yourself. You know what people-pleasers do. They, They give when they're not in abundance. They give when they're not in excess. They give to their own deficit. They give to the point of exhaustion. They give hoping for reciprocation, not getting it, and stay in deficit and just feel drained all the time. And they build resentments. And that's why it's so important to continue working on yourself, improving yourself, honoring yourself, giving yourself what you need So that you have that abundance in you. You know, you talk, you hear about abundance in the new age talk. When I think of abundance, I think of what I can do for me to make me so vibrant, alive and energized and wealthy. And I don't mean money. I mean everything to make you abundantly prosperous in every way so that when someone needs you, you can give without loss because you have so much of it. That's why I teach personal empowerment. Boy, when you can really enhance your own power and really energize you from your emotional core and outward from there, there's so much more you can bring into the world. So thank you, Maria. I appreciate that letter. I appreciate you. I'm going to take another quick break and I'm going to mention our sponsor today and then we'll get back to the show. Welcome back. I want to tell you about GetOutOfTheMess.com. You've heard me talk about it um, probably every week now, <laughs> until uh, unless there's another sponsor on the show. But Get Out Of The Mess has been with us for a long time, and it is a service that Asha can connect you with called Legal Shield. If you haven't heard of Legal Shield yet, I encourage you to go to GetOutOfTheMess.com. That is Asha's uh, site that connects you with all that information on what it is, what it does. But you know in a nutshell it is if you're in the US or Canada you can have access to a hand picked law firm that the Legal Shield organization has uh, chosen to help you and help represent you and give you advice and give you direction for when you're in a bind when you're stuck that's why Asha created the website getoutofthemess.com because she knows that there are messes that seem to just appear in our life It's like we don't want them there and then suddenly they're there. Somebody promises to pay us back and they don't. Uh, A company reaches out and says we owe something that we paid off 10 years ago, but their record says we didn't pay it off. Some debt collector is harassing you or somebody is pulling out of a contract. I mean, there's all kinds of little legalities that uh, we go through uh, throughout life and what Asha tells you about is what this service is all about. And helps you determine if it's right for you. Because she knows not everyone needs an attorney. In fact, for, I don't know, thirty years of my life, I knew I didn't need an attorney. Until I found out what I could use one for. It's not that this service assigns an attorney to you. What's the best part about this is that you pay like some low monthly rate, around twenty to twenty five dollars a month. I don't even think it's that much. It's like the family plan is like twenty four and individuals like eighteen or nineteen, but It's just a low monthly subscription rate that gives you access to like people who know the law, people who can help you by sending letters on your behalf or making phone calls on your behalf. It's an amazing uh, what she calls legal insurance plan so that when things go wrong and they do go wrong, you have this little thing on your keychain with a membership number and a phone number and you just call a phone number saying, this is happening to me. I need to talk to someone. And they give you the time you need. If you have a specific issue you're working on or want to get through, they're going to tell you what you need to do. Oh, the best part about this is they actually assign the right lawyer to the right task. So if you're calling about some contract issue, you're going to get a lawyer qualified in contracts. If you're calling about some traffic violation, you're going to get a lawyer that's qualified to talk about that, that has studied that. I've talked to a couple of attorneys. One of them had to do with my book contract, so I found a specialist in that. And you just get assigned the right person for the tasks that you're calling about. So it's an incredible service. I highly recommend it. Go to getoutofthemess.com. Ashi uses it. I use it. And I recommend that you do too. And just give her a call and see if this service is right for you. 678-355-8777. Welcome back. I'm going to read you an email from someone I'm going to name, uh, John. That's an easy one. John writes, Hi Paul, I hope you're doing well. I have written to you in the past under another name, and you have helped me tremendously with some struggles I had. I must say that I have grown rapidly in the past several months, and you need to take the majority of that credit. I will not take that credit, John. (laughs) You did all the work. I just maybe help guide you there, get you to a point where uh, it was a stepping stone. So, but thank you for that. I am writing today because I have a very unusual thought that I have been pondering for some time. I have tried to find related episodes that might help, but I just can't seem to find the one. Have you ever seen someone do something and you take it in a negative way, yet you do the same behavior? Well, before I even continue with this, of course, absolutely, I have done many behaviors that I've told others they're doing. (laughs) Uh, I try to minimize those throughout life, but yes, I have seen that. He goes on saying, the person I'm with does something that I do not agree with. I have worked on it and made great progress. Your show offers amazing help, but I just can't seem to completely get over this. There are times when it doesn't bother me one bit, yet there are times that I can't get it out of my mind. The worst part is when this behavior is being done, I can say that I do the same thing. Or something very relative. Now this is not a toxic behavior to the one doing it or the ones around them however due to my insecurities I feel that if it shouldn't be done aka it is toxic in my mind because of my mind. Okay you lost me a little bit there but (laughs) let's see where this goes. If I told him not to do the behavior and he actually stopped I would feel as if that is controlling and not solving the problem. It would be a very unhealthy way to approach this situation. The problem lies in myself. Without getting to the specifics, let's just say that I hate when he eats healthy food. When he eats healthy food, I worry that he will become fit and find another lover and leave me. But it's okay that I eat healthy food because I am fit. And I do want the attention of others, even though I have no motivation to follow through with their attention. This example is not what's going on specifically, it's rather extreme and abstract, but is the best way I can describe some of the behaviors that we both do that is not toxic to the one doing it, but toxic only to me because it is my fault that I am feeling this way. It is my wound slash insecurity that I need to heal. I hope I'm making sense here. Either way, I know that you have a full inbox and would appreciate it if you could suggest an episode to listen to that might help me get over these thoughts of, you can't do it, but I can. Okay, I, I get the gist of what you're saying. Thank you so much, John. And uh, yes, it was a little uh, hard to understand the way you wrote it. I, I know you're trying to leave out some details. But uh, again, absolutely, I've, I've done this for sure. In fact, um, when I was married and I saw my wife put sweets in her mouth, I'd be like, uh, I don't think I said these words, but I wanted to say, you, you shouldn't do that. You're gaining weight. I, I find you unattractive. This is when I was highly judgmental uh, and wanted to control her. So this was a different me at the time. <laughs> but I would say things like this: You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't put sweets in the mouth. You'll you'll gain weight. You'll get fat. and I'll be unattracted to you. I was more shallow back then. But that's what that's what I said. That's what I, or, or at least that's what I thought. I thought these things, and I'd be like, but I would myself eat sweets. Because I don't have a weight problem. So I would absolutely judge people for doing the things that I do based on what results they were getting as opposed to what results I was getting. And what results I feared as opposed to what results I didn't fear in myself. So certainly I was placing judgment on what they were doing even though I did the same thing. It's sort of like um, an alcoholic. When an alcoholic picks up a drink, it's a lot different experience as opposed to someone who doesn't have an alcohol problem who picks up a drink. The alcoholic may not be able to stop after one, where the person who casually drinks may be able to stop, and it may not be a problem. So in regards to your question, you want help getting over these thoughts. I can only interpret that to mean that you would prefer that you stopped focusing on what they were doing so that you didn't feel so obsessive. I mean can I assume that's what you mean? I'm going to assume that's what you mean because there's a difference between getting over thoughts and then getting over the behavior from those thoughts and maybe you think if I get over the thoughts I won't have the behavior. So there's something inside of you like you said insecure maybe some emotional wound that you have going on that causes you to want to control their behavior. We were just talking about control in the last segment. So that they do things that you feel are appropriate, uh, in your best interest, uh, non-threatening. And if they do those things, then you'll be happier. So let me tell you where I might go with this. When I was married, I only realized that my behavior toward my wife was toxic after she left me. I realized after we separated, we were still together, but we were separated, and she was in California, I was in Oregon, I only realized how toxic my behavior was toward her. And I realized that because as soon as she was out of the picture, I was alone with my own thoughts. And being alone with those thoughts took me out of my uh, loop of repetitive thoughts my loop of repetitive thoughts was um i was in a constantly triggered state you know my wife's eating junk food and and i need to judge that so she'll stop and i need to try to control that behavior so i don't become unattracted to her and then want to leave the relationship my happiness depends on her behavior it was always focused on her so it was a loop of repetitive thoughts In order for me to be happy and comfortable, she needs to change. She needs to change. When she left and she wasn't there and I had my own thoughts without her influence, I had no one to blame but myself. And I think that's a great first step is to look inward and go, if this person wasn't in my life or was a thousand miles away and I couldn't see what they were doing, I couldn't hear what they were doing, what would be my thought process then? That's a first step. I mean, you may not get anywhere with that first step. You may still think, well, as long as he's not eating healthy, (laughs) then I'm happy, or whatever that uh, example that you used. Because if he looks good and he's eating healthy, then he's going to attract someone else and leave me. But when the person is away from you, notice that there might be different priorities in your mind. When my wife wasn't near me, I missed her, and there was um, a different big picture of the relationship. Now it was, wow, I I could actually lose her. Suddenly my priorities changed. When your priorities change, your focus tends to change. You stop focusing on the minutia of what they do that you don't like and start focusing on, oh, I could actually lose this person. What I'm doing is causing this person to not want to be with me. It's a different focus. I'm not saying it's an easy focus to shift. I'm just saying it's it's a different one. And when you realize that, like I did, I realized that I was focused on all this minutiae and uh, how unhappy she was getting. I didn't put the two and two together that my judgments were making her unhappy. I just felt this when she wasn't in the picture anymore and had my own thoughts to myself. So I started thinking about what would be the best situation for... Both of us in the relationship. I want to be happy. So I started um, asking questions to myself like, how can I make myself happy? Well, I'd be happier and then some old thoughts will come up. I'd be happier if she did this, she did this, she did that. Okay, let's just say that's true. Now, how can she be happier? Well, she would be happier if I did what? See how I I reversed it. I'd be happier if she did this, she did this, and she did this. How could she be happier? Well, she could be happier if I did what? And I started being honest with myself. If I, and then I don't know where it came from, but stop judging her. Because does judging her support her happiness? Because every time I judge her, she feels bad. Is my goal to make her feel bad? Boy, that really hit home. That that really made me start to think that, I was really the cause of the problems in our relationship because what's my ultimate goal for my wife? I want her to be happy. How can I support that happiness? Well, let's look at everything that I do that doesn't support that happiness. My judgment doesn't support that happiness. I could tell every time I did it, every time I gave her that look or said something, she was unhappy. That did not love her the way I define love. That did not support her. Even though I felt that what she was doing to herself was toxic to her, I still wasn't supporting her. And so I went through a lot of reflection, a lot of introspection, trying to figure out, well, what is the best way to love her where it supports her happiness? And that's when the idea that I need to stop judging. I need to judge myself. You know, talk about uh, seeing something that someone else does. I saw me doing that. And I decided instead of judging outwardly, I'm going to judge inwardly. And that changed everything. Um, there was more to it, but that's one part of it. And I started focusing on myself and healing what I needed to heal about me. And I decided to think about our relationship long term. And I asked myself a question that really set in stone what I needed to focus on. That question was, if she never changes her behavior, regardless of how much I judge it, and that behavior lasts indefinitely for the rest of our time together, will I be okay with it? That was an impactful question. That really made me take a step back and consider what was happening. Because up to this point, all that judging did nothing. Well, it did something. It made her unhappy. But it didn't change her behavior. I focused on her behavior, trying to change her behavior. But wait, look at this. Eight years of me doing this, nothing ever changed. So, I was a fool. I mean, I admit it. I was foolishly repeating behavior, judging her, judging her, trying to change her behavior, trying to make her feel bad, foolishly, because it got no results. The only result it got... Was her becoming more depressed, more unhappy, making her feel guilty, making her feel bad about herself? Inside, she already felt bad about her emotional eating. No pun intended, with adding the cherry on top, making it an even worse situation for her and making her feel unsafe and uh, not loved, not supported. So John, I think it's really important to take this first step in you and look at the big picture. What do you want for the relationship? If your lover decided that he was going to leave because he was sick of being judged, does that change your focus? And if so, what are you focused on instead? I think most healthier relationships, when there's the threat of someone leaving, the focus, at least when I try this on, goes into a space of, I just want them to be happy. I I don't want to hurt them. I just want them to be happy. The problem is when the butt comes in. You go, I just want them to be happy, but they can't do this because it makes me unhappy. And this is where we get to that question of if he never changes and he continues to be the same person he is today and he never changes his behavior and he does all the stuff that you don't like or some of the stuff that you don't like, would that be okay with you? Or are you just willing to give this up the way it is now? Knowing that he'll never change. I mean, this puts you into full acceptance of behavior. If you honestly say, I, I, I just can't accept that behavior. I just can't do it. Then maybe breaking up is the only thing you can do. Because if you really can't accept someone's behavior, no matter how good or bad or neutral it is, then you can't be with them continuously being toxic to them. It just can't work out. Because One of two things will happen. One, you will be so toxic. I call it relationship radiation, where the other person feels so irradiated by you, like you are nuclear material and their their skin, I mean, I hate to be graphic, but their skin is starting to fall off. I mean, they just feel so toxified around you. They get headaches. They get stressed. You are radiation. If that's the case, they're going to want to get out. They're going to want to do something about it. Or if they don't do something, they're going to build resentment, anger. They're not going to love you anymore. That love gets chipped away and destroyed from that radiation. They just feel so controlled and so micromanaged. And it's awful. So the one of two things is that they're either going to leave to get away from that radiation or they're going to suffer with that radiation and stay. And staying for them uh, just makes it worse. And leaving makes it worse for you. It's like, it's no win. So the fact that you're doing all these behaviors and saying all these things toward this person, no matter what, it doesn't end well. And I think you know this because you wouldn't have written otherwise. But that's why it's important to come to that acceptance. How can I accept that behavior? Well, that's when you say it's never going to change. I mean, you just accept it. It's never going to change. No matter how much I judge, it's not going to change. If it was going to change, it would have changed by now because my behavior, my, my words towards him would have caused him to change it. But it's not happening. And here I am in the same place worrying that it's going to happen. Now, of course, you might have this uh, insecurity thing going on here, which you are making his problem. When you make your fears someone else's problem that is repelling, They don't want to be near that, typically. They don't want to be subject to that. We can tend to turn our fears into dysfunctional behavior towards someone else. Our fears turn into that toxic element in the relationship. Oh no, if he looks better, then he's going to attract more people. And if he attracts more people, then he might be attracted to a single person. And that person might want to get together with him and now, what do I do? Where 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 does that leave me? When I hear that, and I know this is a made-up scenario, but let's just say that uh, you said that to me. Where does that leave me? What if he goes out with someone else? What if he leaves me for someone else? When all of your time, energy, all of your focus is on what they might do, that tells me that you're not putting enough time, energy, and focus into supporting and nurturing them. I mean, it it goes typically one way or the other. You're either supporting, nurturing, loving them, taking advantage of the time you have together. You're either doing that or you're, and this may not be completely dichotomous, but I'm going to say it anyway, or you're focused on them doing something that might hurt you. And if you have so much focus on that, then you'll never get into a space that they want to be uh, near you. Meaning you will never be in a comfortable place inside yourself, a secure place inside yourself. So they will feel that you are in fear and you are trying to control their behavior and they won't want to be near you because they don't like who you are with them. So there's another component of it. And the final thing I can help you with here is to um, suggest that Instead of being averse to the behavior that you are seeing in him, I want you to overly support it. What do I mean by that? Is that it, let's just say using your example, they are eating really healthy and you don't like it. It's an odd example, but (laughs) let's just use it. Uh, So in the past, you would have judged that and you would have said, please don't eat so healthy uh, or whatever you might have said or done. I recommend you actually flip that inside of you, even if it's hard to do, even if you vehemently disagree with it, flip it around and overly support it in the sense to where you go, hey, I bought you some carrots because I know you love carrots. I bought you some fruits and vegetables because I know you love fruits and vegetables and genuinely mean it. Because when you do this, suddenly the control that they used to feel will dissipate it may take a while because they'll figure, they'll try to because they'll be like who are you <laughs> you never supported this in me before who are you when that happens what you do is lower their resistance when they are resistant to what you're asking of them or it trying to enforce upon them they are more likely to continue doing it Probably not in front of you. Probably behind closed doors. They're more likely to do it. It's like a rebelling teenager. They're more likely to do what you don't want them to do. I like to turn it around when I am averse to something. Instead of being against it, which makes me feel bad and them feel bad, I turn it around inside of me and just support it. It could be something I'm totally against. Now, if it's against my values, like if my girlfriend started doing crack cocaine. <laughs> I'd be like, "No. <laughs> this is not what I want in the relationship. It is not happening. If you choose to continue doing this, I will leave because I cannot have this in my life." So I'm very clear about my own values, my own personal boundaries. But if she really wanted to paint all the walls purple or some color that may not, you know, go with our decor, And she really wanted to do it. And then she painted one wall and I didn't like it. And I might even have said, I don't like, this is really not, I don't like it at all. I don't want the rest of the walls painted that. And she felt really bad about it. I go back to my big picture and I go, wait, is this supporting her happiness? Is this something that she really wants to do? And then, of course, you might think, what about my happiness? Well, I like to look at my happiness in relation to her happiness. When I think of the big picture and the end result, how is it so bad to have a bunch of purple walls if she is thrilled? Imagine coming home to a thrilled partner. Imagine coming home to a happy partner because you gave in and supported what they wanted to do, even though you might have thought it's ridiculous or bad or whatever. How great would your relationship be if, Suddenly, your partner felt supported, even though you yourself may not agree with their behavior. Your relationship gets better and better and better the more you support your partner. Again, if it goes against your personal values, your personal boundaries, you have an aversion to the color purple that's so strong that you uh, regress into some emotional abreaction that causes you to, you know, whatever out, then it might be a different story but in the big picture wanting a great relationship which i think should be your big picture wanting a great relationship wanting my partner to be happy all right let's paint all the walls purple if that's what makes you happy if you're really adamant about it then i support you i want to see you happy you know what that does it's the opposite it's the it's attracts them to you So, in your example of you're eating too well, you're going to attract other people. Support the eating too well part and they won't be attracted to other people. They'll be attracted more to you. Support him eating well and he'll be attracted more to you. But work against that. Do what you can to make them feel bad for what they're doing and I guarantee you they'll find someone else that likes that about them that's what i'm saying here try to like almost everything about your partner even if you don't like it just try to support it because the end result is their happiness which creates a more wholesome more nurturing more supportive relationship for both of you giving the relationship what it needs for maximum longevity and bonding i hope this helps john Uh, if you're looking for a specific episode on this this is it (laughs) <laughs> Tune into this one. Otherwise, thanks for writing, thanks for listening, and we'll be right back. Say some goodbyes and um, close the show. After this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank both Haley and Brian Goosen for their reviews of The Overwhelmed Brain book in Goodreads.com. I didn't even realize they reviewed the book until I logged in there. So I apologize for the delay on that. And thank you so much for your reviews. Brian says it's a phenomenal book for introspection and definitely an intellectual growth book. It makes you question if who you are is who you want to be. Brian, I love that. Thank you so much. I mean, that's a great way to explain it. It's amazing to me how other people explain what you're doing because it's always worded in a way that's uh, completely different than how you'd word it. Haley said it's a book on how to take control of your life by decoding your subconscious fears. That description is so cool. (laughs) I need to stay open to this kind of wording for my next book. So thank you both. And you can get the Overwhelmed Brain book at any bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, And of course, let me know if you've reviewed the book. I'd love to mention your name on the air. And I want to thank GetOutOfTheMess.com. You can call Asha at 678-355-8777 and ask her if this legal insurance plan is right for you. And of course, you heard me talk about the MEAN worksheet. This lets you know just how enmeshed in manipulation or emotional abuse that you might be in. If you're trying to figure out what's wrong with your relationship... You'll be able to pinpoint it and know what next steps you need to take. doesn't mean every emotionally abusive relationship is doomed for failure or breakup. Uh, Some of them can be saved. But uh, this worksheet is going to be a powerful way to really figure out what's going on in your relationship and uh, help you both understand what your next steps might need to be. Check it out at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash mean, M-E-A-N. And if you're listening on Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, you have the rest of the day to get it at the discounted price of $29 before the price goes up. And I want to thank the patron members for supporting this show. If you want to support The Overwhelmed Brain, uh, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. It's not just you supporting the show, it's me supporting you too, because I create private episodes, give you worksheets, including the mean worksheet if you're in a a Silver and Up program. And of course, um, the Gold Plus program gives you email coaching, which has been uh, quite a great way for a lot of you to get coaching without paying the um, full one-on-one price. So it might be worth it if you just want to uh, reach out anytime through email and ask me a question that, uh, that I respond to directly through email. Hope to see you there. patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And to close the show, I want to read just a segment of an email uh, from someone who wrote and said, hey, my wife cheated on me in 2013, but I just found out recently she had a three month relationship while I was deployed out in the military. And um, he said a few things in there that I'm not going to uh, read to you. But the, the main question here is that he asks, how can I help her realize that she's been putting me down and projecting her guilt as anger towards me? Well, I'm going to call you, um, Bill. Bill, let's put it this way. If your wife feels guilty about cheating on you, which I think, uh, this is what you're saying in your letter, and she's projecting that, that anger or that guilt towards you, um, first of all, there's nothing you can do to convince her of anything. When somebody is, uh, doing a behavior that is affecting you, it has to be self realized. She has to get to a place where she realizes what she is doing now that doesn't mean you do nothing it just means that if you've already tried convincing her look what you're doing you're projecting your guilt towards me and you're angry at me and this and this then and and she isn't changing it's still happening then convincing her is not the way cuz she's not going to be convinced there's something else going on there now you know why did she cheat i mean i don't know if you've had this honest conversation Of why she cheated. I mean, yes, it could have been an opportunistic uh, thing to happen. Like she was in the right place at the right time with somebody that uh, she was attracted to. Or maybe she was, I don't know, feeling lonely and she couldn't wait for you. I, I don't know. It's an awful situation to be in. I couldn't imagine it. But let's be real here and ask her, you know, what are the real reasons she cheated? Because there might be something else going on. Like, um, there's something that she can get from someone else that she doesn't think she can get from you. As, as hard as that may sound to hear, that might be a question you want to ask. What can you get from someone else that you can't get from me? And give her a safe place to respond to that. Now you may have already asked that question. This, this conversation may have gone on. This happened years ago, but being that you just found out, I don't know if that kind of question has been asked, but you do need to be, if you want to save this relationship, you do need to find out exactly what caused her to be in the arms of someone else. And that is going to be a difficult conversation to have. So that's that's the first thing is find out what she feels is missing in her relationship with you. This got to be something. I mean, even healthy relationships can have something missing. But is it so missing that the person uh, goes out and cheats? So I think that would be a great first question. You may find that it's there's nothing. I don't know. But I, I think that's a great first question. That's a tough one. And it's really good to know. Because if you can never meet what's missing, and she really needs what's missing in the relationship in her life, then she may continue to feel, I don't know, guilty, resentful, maybe resentful of her own decisions of being with you. Hate to say it. But it's important for you to know what's missing in her life or in this relationship for her that would cause her to seek the company of someone else. You know, if it turns out that uh, you chew tobacco and she doesn't like you chewing tobacco, she finds it disgusting or something, uh, but it's something that is a part of you and you love it and you don't want to change it, but she feels guilty about telling you to stop or whatever, then that may be something that you can't get past. Unless you're willing to make some changes in your own life. I mean, that's a, might be a silly example, but maybe not. There could be something going on, some sort of behavior that you do or something that you say or whatever. But it's good to ask that hard question. The second approach to this or component of this is when it comes to uh, any type of cheating, when both people want to stay together and work it out, I always, always, always go in the direction of A single meaningful apology starts the path to a new beginning. So if she gave you her heartfelt true apology that she cheated and you accepted that apology and you're willing to move past this and start rebuilding the trust and rebuilding your relationship, then it should progress every day from there and never be brought up as ammunition to hurt the other person again. Ever. Because a true apology is where you go, I am so sorry. I will never do it again. I feel so bad for doing it. And I never meant to hurt you. I shouldn't have done it. You know, all of these things are included with this apology. And it needs to be real, it needs to be heartfelt. But after that, she should never have to apologize again. So if there's any part of you that still holds resentment about that time in your relationship and it comes out even in subtle or small ways, she's going to feel guilty. And if that makes you feel good that she feels guilty, that makes it worse. So what am I saying? If she's apologized and you really felt that she meant it, you need to let it go. Maybe you did. Maybe you've already let it go and you're ready to move on. From the sound of your letter, that might be the case. I just want to make sure that you're doing nothing to help facilitate her guilty feelings. Because if you are, that's what will keep it alive. Now, there's a third component of this. Since I didn't read read your entire email, there is a part of your email that kind of confused me because you said, That you've come to realize that she was upset about losing a relationship with the other guy and pushing the guilt onto you the whole time that you were inadequate and doing something wrong. It was her saying that you're spiraling out of control. And I don't know, you you, kind of had one long run on sentence. So I had a little trouble understanding that. So I apologize. But let's just say that was true. Is that she felt guilty about losing the other guy. I don't know necessarily what that means. Does that mean she wants a relationship with the other guy? Does that mean she would rather be with him? Because if that's the case, what are you doing with her? I hate to be so blunt, but if she wants someone else and she feels guilty about losing that guy, then she's got some unfinished business going on there. She she needs to clear that up in herself. There's nothing you can do to convince her otherwise. Because if she has that unfinished business with him, she needs to finish that business in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's talking to him, figuring it out, getting back together with him, I hate to say, going to therapy. Uh, if If she doesn't want to get back together with him, I don't know what's going on there. But if you're involved in their relationship, which it sounds like you are, because she hasn't let go of him, then you are going to be this punching bag of whatever is going on here. And let me just try this on in real time. If my girlfriend felt guilty about leaving her ex and she was so focused on that guilt about leaving her ex and it took away from our good times together, I think I would get out of this relationship. I would, of course, have a conversation with her. You know, if you feel so guilty about leaving your ex, go apologize to him. (laughs) I mean, that's what I would tell her. Go say sorry. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I left you and I shouldn't. It was not the right thing to do and I really feel bad. And maybe her ex will go, well, I mean, I'm over it. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm, I've moved on. Or he could say, well, I'm glad you apologized because I felt really bad and I still feel really bad. And you've ruined my life. You know, it could be something like that. But again, this, is, this comes back to that single apology changes your life from that point on. Her single apology to him, Hey, I'm so sorry. Everything I did was, you know, I shouldn't have left you the way I did. I just wanted to let you know that I do. I feel so bad and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm truly sorry. He may not accept that apology, but at least she did her part. She passed the emotional baton onto him. And now she can move on. So, you know, when I try this on in real time, that's where I go. I tell my girlfriend, well, go apologize to him say you're sorry, do anything you can. Because right now, your focus on him takes your focus out of this relationship. And it is affecting me, it is affecting us. So I highly recommend you close that loop, get yourself some closure, figure out what's going on, apologize if you feel the need to do so, so that you can let that piece of your life go and start moving forward. So I'm not entirely sure what your situation is there. But I would highly recommend that she find that closure. There's nothing you can do. That's between her and him, unfortunately. That is some old baggage that she's carrying that she needs to release somehow. She needs to find closure. She may need counseling, therapy, whatever. But she needs to do it. Because as long as that's there, you will continue to experience what you're experiencing. So I hope this helps you. Thank you for writing. And of course, because you're still in that relationship, that tells me that You're willing to work on things. You're willing to forgive and move on and continue growing and blossoming the relationship that you want it to be. And so in order to blossom anything, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. Be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.